Hello, loyal listeners, and welcome to Ultimate Motorcycling's weekly podcast, Motos and Friends. My name is Arthur Coldwells. In the first segment of this week's episode, editor Don Williams tells us all about his experiences on the new Triumph Speed Twin 900. This retro Triumph ticks all the boxes looks-wise, but with the vertical twin motor putting out a very modest horsepower, is it a decent ride or is it just for posers? In our second segment, associate editor TJ Adams chats with Laura Kraft. Laura has been riding for about 10 years and on a recent visit to California, she and TJ were able to ride the local mountains around Southern California on their MV Agusta motorcycles. Laura is an excellent rider and I think she really enjoyed herself. For more information on Laura and her friends, check out her YouTube channel, Moto Tribe. So, we hope you ride safe and enjoy this episode. Triumph has rebadged the Street Twin for 2023 as the Speed Twin 900. Now, if I get my tongue tied a few times, you'll know why, because going between I'm already doing it. Street Twin and Speed Twin 900 can be a bit confusing. So just forget about the Street Twin because it's that name is gone. There's no upgrade to the bike. The 2023 Triumph Speed Twin 900 is the same as the Street Twin before, but we haven't ridden it for a while. In fact, the last time I rode it was in Portugal, which was a lot of fun. And so getting back on it after a bit of time uh, reminded me of what a great bike it was. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Uh, it uses the Bonneville motor uh, that we all have grown to love and has gotten better and better over the years. Uh, 900cc motor, it's now water-cooled, but they do a nice job of uh, integrating the radiator into the frame area. So you don't, you know, it's not so obvious. And the motor has the faux cooling fins so it looks like a vertical twin and i i say vertical twin because it it truly is the pistons are going straight up and down uh parallel twins sometimes can be leaned forward quite a bit but this is just like the old days a vertical twin vertical twin also has the uh, 270 degree crankshaft which gives it that kind of rumbly feel so when you roll on the throttle uh, instead of it being kind of a normal buzzy-ish twin compared to let's say a single, it has a V-twin feel. So you kind of get a little rumble, you kind of get a, uh, and that uneven firing and it just, it feels good, nice torque. Uh, it's definitely not a rever. It's not a bike that you wanna, you know, be pinging the rev limiter on it because you're not really getting that much out of it at the top end. It's all about how nicely it pulls from the bottom end and it pulls, it pulls great. It's not a fast motorcycle. It's a easy to ride retro motorcycle. I don't like to recommend something as big as a 900 to a new rider, but a newer rider that has gotten a little bit of time under the belt, uh, riding uh, you know, a smaller motorcycle or any kind of experience in a dirt bike or whatever. This is a very easy motorcycle to ride. Uh, the handling is very neutral. Uh, it's not raked out like a cruiser. It's not tucked in like a sport bike. It's got 25 degrees of rake and a 57 inch wheelbase. So those numbers are all very friendly. And 
they match up well with the power delivery. Again, it's a torquer, easy to ride. So it's not, you know, it's not a high speed bike. It's, it's an urban bike, but it still has the capabilities of riding on the freeway uh, with all day. I mean, you could ride, you know, you could ride it on the freeway, no problem. Uh, you have to go 60 miles or whatever. It's not, it's not an issue. Uh, it's got, again, it's got the good torque. It's, it's, it is a 900, so you're, you're, you know, you're looking at a, at, a, at a good motor. One thing I can say about the Speed Twin 900 is that it has the 18-inch front wheel and the 17-inch rear wheel. And on some other retro bikes, and I'm looking at you, Kawasaki W800, <laughs> the bike is horrible to ride on the freeway. It has the worst tires in the history of the world for the rain-grooved LA freeways, uh, and I guess most of California. And uh, you just don't want to ride on the freeway. And it, it kind of, for people, at least in, in California, it ruins what's otherwise a pretty cool bike, uh, at least for me, because I live near a bunch of freeways and I ride the freeways frequently and I want the bike to be good on the freeways. And in the uh, case of the Speed Twin 900, the Pirelli Phantom Sport Comp tires are great on the freeway. No drama you know, it's, it's a bummer that when you have that 17, 18 combo, you know, you're limited on what tire selections you have. It's not like two 17s where you can put just about anything on there. You know, you, you've narrowed things down, but the Triumph designers obviously wanted that classic look. So they gave it the slightly larger front wheel. I'm not a big, I don't get that much out of it, but at, at the same time, I got to say the bike is a looker. They really did, did a fantastic job with the styling. Uh, the paint is simple. It's got a pinstripe, a little bit of uh, two-tone uh, treatment of the tank. And it just, the bike looks exactly right. Uh, even though it doesn't look exactly like a retro bike, or it looks, it doesn't look like a bike from the 60s, it still has an undeniably appealing retro look that, you know, with the near bench seat, does have a little step in it, but it's still a one-piece near bench seat. It's got the round headlight, it has the round speedometer. So it has all the cool looks, round rear view mirrors, round-ish <laughs> tail light. It all looks great. Is the speedometer digital or is it, you know, fully analog? The speedometer is quite large, which is very interesting. I think that they know that maybe a lot of the riders that would be attracted to the uh, Speed Twin 900 might have a little vision problems, especially at night. So they put on this very large clock, <laughs> okay. analog style. I'm sure it's, it's, you know, the information goes to it digitally, but it looks like, you know, it has the pointer and it goes across the, you know, for the speed, there's no tack and there's a little LCD inlay inside. It looks good. Uh, for me though, the numbers are a little bit small. So, you know, you're riding, you're, I'm looking ahead, you know, I have a full face helmet on. So when I'm looking down, it's kind of blocked anyway. So when I, when I look at a glance, I can't, I have to think about how fast I'm going. And realistically on the good side, the bike's not a speedster. It's not ripping around. I don't really think about how fast I'm going. I just, you know, the traffic's around. I'm going, I'm going at the speed I want to go and I don't get tickets. So I guess I'm doing okay. And I don't, but of course I don't get passed by anybody, you know, so it's a good looking speedometer. It's not quite as practical as I'd like it to be, but it's not bad. And, uh, you know, you can scroll through different pieces of information on the LCD screen with a little button on the 
the left handlebar. So, you know, keep in mind that this motor puts out just 64 horsepower at 7,500 RPM. Now that's, you know, not bad. It's a little, you know, it's a little low for a 900, but puts out 59 foot pounds of torque at 3,800 RPM. And that's where the magic lies. You don't want to rev it up to 7,500 to get that 64 horsepower. You want to, you know, keep it in that 4,000 RPM range where it's really pulling hard with the maximum torque. And, and that's the maximum torque, of course, but the curve is pretty flat all the way through the rev range. So, you know, there's just no reason to bring its neck. Just let it pull, you know, enjoy the way it puts out power and it's great. It's a slightly over square motor, not a lot, you know, eight valves, but a single red cam along with the EFI that they've very nicely camouflaged. So you can't, they don't have the old design where it looks like a carburetor, but it's actually EFI inside. They just kind of put a little cover over the intake. So, you know, the cover looks cool and, you know, everything about the bike looks cool. You know, that's why you're buying this motorcycle really is because it looks cool. And when you ride it, you look cool. And then people come up to you and go, wow, that's a cool motorcycle. You must be a cool person. <laughs> yeah. That's the theory anyway. Yeah, well, that, that, no, that really does work. And, and you know, I always kind of keep track of the motorcycles when I ride them and what kind of attention I get. And this is one where people are coming up and go, oh, that's cool. Oh, I like that. Oh, that looks good. And, uh, you know, it does. And the bonus of the bike is that in addition to it looking good, like, okay, I look cool, but, you know, you still want to ride it, I hope. And in this case, the bike just rides great. The suspension, you know, it's not adjustable. It's not anything fancy, but it works perfectly well within the parameters of the motor and the handling. You know, it's kind of neutral suspension. It doesn't, you don't feel the need to like, well, I've got to crank up the spring preload. Like, come on, crank that up if you have a passenger, of course, but otherwise just out of the box, it works exactly like it's supposed to work. You can take it up to the canyons and have a good time. It takes a little time to get used to that 18-inch front wheel, but just a little, you know, and that's partly because I ride so many different motorcycles. You know, you get used to different feels. And this one is like, oh, yeah, it's a little bit different. And there's just a single disc up front. So it's not, it's saying to you, hey, you know, don't, don't go crazy. This isn't the crazy bike. We have crazy bikes. We have the street triple. If you want to go wild in the streets in that displacement range this just has a single 310 you know disc and uh with, but it does have a brembo caliper but that's not really what it's about it works good and you know it, it slows you down plenty it has abs which i found to be a little aggressive i actually like cranked down on the front caliper one time and got a little bit of shutter from it and i was like hmm, usually i don't do that <laughs> so i think that also I think that's also partly the tire. Sure. You know, again, it's that it's not that 17 inch, not that footprint. So it's a little bit more likely to to engage the ABS. And they probably made the ABS a little bit more aggressive just to take that into consideration. You don't want you to like lose the front end braking, which I appreciate. What what brand of tires is it running? It's the Pirelli Phantom Sports Comp. Okay. And those are good tires. Yeah. Again. So much, just like with any motorcycle, I've talked about this before, it's about balance. Oh. And this motorcycle is like just perfectly balanced. The geometry and the handling, the way the power is delivered, the ergonomics, it all works exactly like they're supposed to work together. It doesn't make it 
the most comfortable, like I'm kicked back, my feet are for it. It's not a cruiser, although the motor is a cruiser motor. That's kind of the little secret of these bikes is that by having the maximum torque at just 3,800 RPM and the uh, maximum power to 7,500 RPM, those are more like cruiser numbers almost than, than like say a sport bike. And so that makes it gives you that ease of use of the motor. It's like always pulling, no matter what gear you're in, you know, you're good. In fact, they only gave it a five speed, which a lot of people would be like, well, come on, we need to have a six speed. But with the broad range on the, of the you know, broad rev range of power and the flat torque curve, the five speed's fine. Again, if you find yourself, man, this bike's slow, it's not going as fast, I, well then go back to your Triumph dealer and say, you know what, <laughs> it's time for me to buy a street triple and then they'll go well we will happily sell you one and then you'll move up and you'll say well this bike isn't quite as comfortable and it's kind of more aggressive and i have to keep pay attention to what i'm doing or i'm going to get a ticket but you'll have what you want so and you won't you won't complain it's slow so in the retro range where where does this particular model fit it's not the fastest one is it no it kind of sits you know it, it i would say maybe the the Kawasaki W800 would be the direct competitor. Okay. You know, it's not like the Yamaha XSR 900, you know, which is a triple and the Kawasaki Z900 RS, which is a inline four. Those bikes are a lot faster. Those motors are a lot more potent, but they also don't have that low end pull. You know, they don't have that easy use. So it, it, it sets itself aside by being, you know, kind of like I said, kind of, you would ride it like a cruiser, but it has the nice, you know, better handling in the canyons. And it has the truly upright, traditional, you're sitting in a chair, your handlebars, everything is right where you want it to be. And you're in a comfortable position. You know, although cruisers are comfortable, not everybody likes that position. You know, they don't like having their feet forward. They don't like their arms up higher. They don't like leaning back or leaning excessively forward. You know, they just want to sit on the bike like they're sitting in chair. Oh, there's some bars here and my feet are where they would, I would expect them to be. And then, then they got the pull of the motor. And it's like, it's just a great design and it all, it all works. And, and then you have the bonus of looking cool. Yeah. My question was more aimed at if somebody really wants the, the retro bike vertical engine, what, what are their options if they want something a bit more sporting? This sounds more like it falls into the middle of the of that range. Oh yes, you bump up to the Speed Twin twelve hundred. Okay, that's really your only option. Nobody else, except for Kawasaki, makes a bike that is kind of in that style and that okay performance. But yes, you can get that same kind of look, but with a lot more power with the twelve hundred, which is still a twin, but it's you know it's it's a big twin and. And that bike, I don't want to say it hauls ass, but it, it moves it moves really good. And again, you know, certainly enough to get you in all sorts of trouble on the street if you're not paying attention to where the police are. Okay. In the, in this case, it's not. You know, I don't want to act like the Speed Twin 900 is slow because if you when you're pulling away from a light, if you're interested in pulling away with authority and leaving every single car far far behind you, there's no problem. You just turn the throttle and you're gone. So you're not in anybody's way and you're not really feeling around town like you're lacking power you're only gonna lack power if somebody with a more aggressive bike you know is next to you and you want to hang with them you may not be able to do that or if you're in the canyons and you like 
to, you know, accelerate super hard out of corners. It's, it's not going to do that, but those, those are different bikes. And that's, you know, what I always try to explain to people, this is, these aren't like negative aspects of the bike, the way the power is delivered. It's the way the bike works For sure. and it's what the bike is about. And, you know, that means it's not be your bike, but for another person, it's like, well, that's exactly what I want. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody was commenting on the new uh, Royal Enfield Scram 411. They said, well, it's underpowered. I was thinking, no, it has the power that it has. And either that, either that's enough for you and then it's great, or it's not enough for you and you should buy something else. But, you know, it's not underpowered. It's just the power that it has. And, and that bike is in relative terms, a slow motorcycle, but plenty of people will like the way the power works on that. They will like the fact that the power comes on slow and easy and isn't gonna get you into any trouble if you flip the throttle wrong on one of those mountain roads that we've seen in the videos where there's like a two mile cliff on the side and, you know, and no guardrail or anything else. So you'd be like, yo, this is the motor I want. Would you want uh, to ride something you know, an aggressive dual sport bike on that? Uh, not me. All right. So everybody's got their own requirements. And in the case of the Speed Twin 900, it's not a bike for somebody who wants to really go fast and, and impress their friends with how fast they can ride through the canyons or how fast they can accelerate from a, a stop. This is one where they want to impress their friends with how friendly the bike is and how cool it is to ride and how when people pull up to you they look at your bike go, oh that's a cool bike oh i like that oh hey wait what is that oh i gotta oh i like that so you know and, and you get that and and when you walk up to the bike you look at it you go you're really happy you're getting on at least i am you know i look at it oh, that bike looks cool i'm gonna go for a ride i'm gonna look cool i'm gonna have an enjoyable ride i'm not gonna have to fight with the bike i'm not gonna have to constantly keep my right wrist in check to make sure I don't, you know, go 70 miles an hour in a 30, you know, I just, I can just ride it and have fun. It's, it's an, it's an intuitive motorcycle that doesn't do anything unexpected. And yeah, you could say it's slow if you want, and it's slow compared to other motorcycles, but it's a lot faster than some other motorcycles. You know, anytime somebody's buying a motorcycle, it's, it's about being honest with yourself and what you need, what you want, what, actually works for what you want to do with a motorcycle and for me the speed twin 900 works for somebody who likes to ride around town but still wants to go out to visit the rock store or somewhere like that you know the, the local watering hole and there's some twisties along the way and they want to go at a good a good pace they want to go faster than somebody on a cruiser but they're not interested in dragging their knee or a shoulder or elbow they just, they want to go at a good, enjoyable pace, you know, far faster than any cars other than, you know, <laughs> some guy, some guy in a, you know, a high-end sports car that's pushing it, but you're going faster than the average person out sightseeing out driving around. So you, you've got the power, but you've got the looks. And when you park the bike, everybody looks and goes, oh, that guy's got good taste. Sure. If you can ride a bike quickly or briskly and do it with relative ease where you're just cruising along at a nice fast clip, then that's a very enjoyable experience. If, if the bike feels not stressed and you're not, not stressed, then that's, that's very enjoyable. Right, and the configuration of the bike is very much like what used to be an old sport bike. 
which is kind of funny when you think about it. Oh. That's how a sport bike used to be. And so, and people thought they were on a sport bike then when it was like that. It really is a pretty authentic feeling retro experience. Uh, the bike's a little heavier than some retro bikes, uh, authentic, you know, vintage bikes. It's, it's 476 pounds. So it's not, not a lightweight bike. Right. But uh, on the upside, it gets 69 miles to a gallon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you can go a long way on the three, 0.2 gallon tank before you have to fill it up i mean it allows you to go out in the boonies and and i could even see somebody throwing some you know small saddlebags on the side you know over the seat and going for a weekend tour no problem you know uh somebody might want to throw a windshield on there because they do offer that uh and then you have like this little touring bike and again you know back in the 60s when this bike would have been like a new sort of design early 70s you know, that was how people toured, you know, they threw a windshield on a bike, just a couple of saddlebags and off they went. And this bike is, is capable of doing that. And, and Triumph has accessories to, to help you do that or, or aftermarket people do too. So it's, it's a pretty versatile bike. I mean, if you wanted to have like the coolest commuter bike where you're riding to work and people go, Oh, oh, oh there's, there's, there's Don and he's got that cool Triumph, man. I wish I was that cool. They won't say that, but that's what they're thinking. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's, that's excellent. And, you know, and you can smugly know that the bike is also cool to ride, you know, that you think the bike is cool and it's fun to ride and you enjoy, you enjoyed coming to work on that motorcycle. And uh, if you had to go on the freeway on the way, no problem. Triumph, you know, does all this for a list price of $9,695. So it's not a cheap motorcycle by any you know stretch of the imagination you know you're paying for the design and for the execution triumph has fantastic uh fit and finish the motorcycle looks expensive and even you know even though this the speed twin 900 is not the top of the line you know like the 1200 or some of the sport bikes it's still triumph puts a lot of work into the paint and the, again the design it all looks great the only thing i would want if you know, I were saying, gee, how are they going to build this bike? Because I would want wire spoke wheels instead of the, you know, the normal kind of mag wheels that they have on there. It's like, or I shouldn't say mag wheels or cast aluminum. You know, I, I would rather have wire spoke wheels than the, the cast aluminum wheels. That would just give it that just a little bit extra cool retro look. Right, right. You know, the wheels, the wheels look good, but that's just, you know, everybody's got their little taste. And that's what, that's why you modify and personalize and customize the bike to your tastes after you get it. Oh, well, you know, I would like to get some of these kind of wheels on there. That's kind of the rundown. Again, it's, it's not new. If you have yet last year's street twin, you have the same motorcycle, but except for the badges on the uh, side covers, you know, so you don't need to trade up for that really. But if you're, I like the speed twin 900 name, speed twin sounds better than street twin. For sure. They're throwing the 900 on there because they want to differentiate it from the 1200, which was always the speed twin. So I think it's uh, something that somebody who is kind of knows what they want, doesn't have unreasonable expectations for themselves or what they're going to do on a motorcycle. But this motorcycle really handles the job of just riding around, having fun, looking good, handling good, accelerating good. You know, if you can't tell, I just love riding the motorcycle around people see it and thumbs up yeah that's cool yeah no it sounds great it sounds like they've done a really good job i i 
I appreciate Triumph's efforts to, to keep the retro thing going, playing on their heritage, and um, I appreciate their build quality. So it sounds like this, this really fulfills both of those. So uh, anyway, thank you for your thoughts. Really appreciate it, as always. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Don. Bye, everyone. In our second segment, Associate Editor TJ Adams chats with Laura Craft. Laura has been writing for about 10 years, and on a recent visit to California, she and TJ were able to ride the local mountains around Southern California on their MV Agusta motorcycles. Laura is an excellent rider, and I think she really enjoyed herself. For more information on Laura and her friends, check out her YouTube channel, Moto Tribe. So, we hope you ride safe and enjoy this episode. Anyway, just to let our listeners know, so we went for a ride, and um, I'll outline the route because it's interesting for people to know the roads we've enjoyed. Um, Sand Canyon was where we met up, and then we went through Bouquet Canyon, past Lake Hughes up to Gorman, and through Fraser Park, then Pine Mountain. We stopped for lunch um, in New Kayama, a place called the Buckhorn Restaurant, which was fantastic, and then back down the 33 to Ojai. And uh, it was hot. <laughs> now you were riding the new, the 2022 MV Augusta F3RR, which is fabulous fabulous to look at I haven't ridden it how how was that it was surprisingly comfortable because it's a sport bike and so it's more of a bent over position um I felt like it just was really comfortable so I'm glad I took it versus I could have taken an upright bike um but a sport bike you have the wind and especially when you're riding through the canyons it's just it, it corners um fantastically and it's a little bit of a a light bike and so really nice to ride and easy to maneuver. And then you kind of sit in the bike versus I have a Ducati a V4 Panigale and I sit a little bit more on top of the bike. And I think I prefer to sit a little bit more in the bike. Uh, so the MV, the F3RR, uh, you know, was, was a great bike to have for the day. I remember you saying it sort of pulled you down onto the road a bit. Yeah, it has some air intakes that kind of help push you down. Um, some of the newer bikes do, and so the the F3 does have that. Um, it's a really neat bike. I was uh, lucky to ride it because the 2022s are all sold out. So if you actually want to buy that bike, you have to put your name on the list and buy the 2023. Um, so it is really a, you know, Envy comes out with bikes and they're kind of limited runs. And, you know, if you can get a hand of hand of one or a handle of one, you, you, you should buy one. But, you know, otherwise it's, they can be kind of hard to get. Yes, yeah, they are really popular. I mean, a lot of people buy them also just as um, showpieces sort of to keep because they're so beautiful to look at. Yeah, you have an MV. Yours is beautiful. Yes, and I'm holding on to it. <laughs> it's a very pretty one. It's the Brutali 800RC. And I say pretty because I think that's the way I describe it. It's got the red frame showing and it's got lots of nice little stickers and numbers and it looks a bit racy, but it always draws a bit of a crowd which, you know, I'm a poser, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> so your Panigale, is that that's your main motorcycle, your only motorcycle? I have two bikes. I have two Ducatis right now. So I have a V4 Speciale uh, Panigale, and then I have a 1200 Monster. 
Um, so one's an upright bike and then one's uh, more of a sport bike. I couldn't decide whether I wanted a sport bike or an upright bike. So I ended up buying both bikes the same day and said that way I have two. Interesting. And do you ride them equally or do you find you lean towards? You know, I kind of get in moods where I'll ride one more than the other. If I'm going to go on a longer trip or if I'm going to go on a road trip, then I take the monster. Um, you know, if I'm just going on a day, then sometimes we'll do, we'll do a sport bike. I have some friends. And so we try to coordinate what bike are we going to ride today? Is it going to be a sport bike day or is it going to be an upright day of our you know, naked bikes? So it just depends what kind of riding we're going to do today. Um, where, where do you live? Remind me, you're in Atlanta, are you? I am. You're in Atlanta, but you visited Chicago recently. Is that right? That's correct. Did you ride in Chicago? I did not ride in Chicago. No, not, not when I was there this time. I had one friend take me around one time, and this was years ago. I, I need to get out there and ride again while I'm in Chicago. Um, but it, it doesn't have the roads like L.A. or North Georgia Mountains. Right. Do you have favorite roads or a favorite road that you go for? You know, I love um, riding around Suches. So that's in North Georgia Mountains. There's a, a restaurant called Two Wheels. Um, and then you can ride over up 60 to Blue Ridge, or you can ride um, Wolfpen Gap over to Russell Scenic Highway. Blood Mountain is also a great road. So those are our kind of local stomping grounds. And we'll go north too. We'll go, you know, north more towards the Tail of the Dragon um, some weekends. Yeah, we loved it. We did ride the Tail of the Dragon. Have you had sort of motorcycle training or did you just start and wing it from the beginning? I, I definitely got some training. I never thought I'd be a motorcyclist. It was one of those curiosities that I had. I had a helmet and I thought about throwing it away because I wasn't using it. Someone gifted it to me. <laughs> and then I had this wild idea of maybe I take an MSF course and learn how to ride. So I took a course and you get your license at the end of it. And I thought, okay, well, you know, this is great. I'll just take course two and continue learning. And they said, there is no course two. You have your license. You go buy a bike now. So it was like a fork in the road, you know? <laughs> well, I just kind of learned how to ride, but not really. Um, and I want to continue trying. And the next step is really to buy a bike. And so I thought, well, if I find a, you know, a very specific bike, um, then I'll buy it and I'll get it. And if things work out, I'll get it. And I wanted an, a BMW and F800 ST at the time. So it was a sport touring bike and it had a little computer system on it and it could tell me my tire pressure. Because when I got into riding, I realized that tire pressure is really important. And so, you know, have, a, yes. have it tell me what, what the tire pressure is, I, I thought was a great safety feature. Yeah, that's wise. I mean, that's probably also part of your training. You were probably told things that you don't realize when when you start and just your friends are telling you to go off and ride and give you <laughs> the bones of how to get through, you don't learn important things like that and things that are going to keep you safe. So that probably was something you picked up from just from having the training. Yeah, going through the course, you know, I highly recommend it for anyone who is curious and getting their license. Yes, yeah, I'm a great fan of training. You, I mean, I don't want to ask your age, so you didn't ride from being a little child which a lot of people do I didn't either I sort of learned a bit later on and then you decided to set up Moto Tribe oh yes so you're one of the founders of that this is your YouTube channel yeah so I've been riding over a decade now um you know my first few years I did not know anyone 
Um, I rode by myself for the first year, maybe, or two. And then I ran into some friends who rode and, and then they either got married, had kids and parted ways with their bike or moved away. And so I was kind of at this crossroads of, I wanna ride with people, how do I meet people? And that's when I got on social media, Instagram in particular, and was trying to meet locals in the area, specifically women that I could ride with because I still was relatively a new rider. So I wanted to feel kind of, I wanted to feel comfortable when I was riding. And I just felt like I'd be more comfortable with other ladies that are riding and going through my same kind of experience. Comfort was a good word. I don't want to say a safe space, but it is that as well. But I feel like that as well. It's nice if you're with the girls. Yeah, because I think just men and women, we learn differently. Yes. And so, you know, it's just, it was a little bit easier to relate um, on some of the challenges that I have that maybe men wouldn't have. Mm. So that's what started me out in, in Instagram. And then I met a, some other females that rode. And then in the pandemic, we started Moto Tribe. Um, so we wanted to, we were always chatting about motorcycles through text messages and trading tips. And we thought, why not create a channel and talk about these things on a podcast? And so we've been experimental in the podcast. So sometimes we you know, talk about a topic like how to choose a helmet or we'll interview guests. So we did interview Camming. That's how I got to know him a little bit more and his story. Um, and then we'll do writing videos as well. Who are the other ladies? Yeah, so it's it's me and then two of my best friends, um, Sarah Merrill and Red Spade. She goes by Red Spade, but her name is Anna Rigby. Um, and so it's the three of us, and you know we're we're best friends first foremost, and then you know we creatively put out content and kind of uh, you know we've been sharing our motorcycle journey between the the three of us for a long period of time and you know we, we we feel like this is kind of our creative outlet where we can you know interview interesting people or do bike reviews or do gear reviews so it's great you were sort of sharing everything you gleaned really how long ago did you start moto tribe so we started in the pandemic we started it in 2021 so it's a very new channel Right. Um, I think we just hit 5,000 subscribers. Last year, we did a great job of posting videos. And this year, we've taken a little bit of a break. We're starting a new series. Um, one thing that we find really interesting are women in motorsport. Right. Specifically, you know, how they, how they got to where they got. And, and in particular, you know, women that are announcers for motorsports or um, the top racers in motorsports. Um, you know, I just, it, you know, how did they get to where they are and, you know, do they feel like their experience is somewhat different being a female and, you know, even being a racer, do they feel like they have a quality out there when they're racing the men? And we've learned some interesting things like, you know, when you're out there, it's, it's not, we, it is a little bit more of a level playing field. You have a motorcycle, you know, it's, there is a little bit of a physicality difference, but there's also a mental you know, it's about your mental game when you're out there racing. Yeah, that's true. And that's good. Those sort of women, you know, you can aspire to. So it's always interesting if you can get conversations with, with those sort of ladies that you can put out for more and more people to listen to. And I also um, saw you have lots of manufacturers involved. You've done bike reviews, helmet reviews and that sort of thing. Do you find that generally you've had good support? 
Absolutely. Um, a lot of great support. I know Revzilla, funny enough, reached out to us early on wanting to, um, you know, help support our channel and, you know, promote and, you know, I thought that that was great. And they're like, and they're a very collaborative company wanting to understand, you know, how can we both support each other? Um, same thing with a lot of brand ma manufacturers have, you know, have have given us opportunities to do bike reviews or test new gear. Yeah, I saw that. I like the way you do that as well. The way you film when you're you're riding, you film yourselves and then you stop and talk a bit. I think it's good the way it's mixed up. You sort of get a, a feeling as though you're actually experiencing your your reviews are good. They're sort of happening. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we have Insta360 cameras and those are neat cameras to have because you don't have to be an expert in you know what you need to film that you can after the fact focus in on what you want to focus in in post-production um, so the camera has a lens is 360 and so you can essentially re-ride the ride and and then focus where you want i like it because it gives me more of a feel for the motorcycle you're talking about and i think that's uh, that's the good thing i say about ultimate motorcycle we don't just list the specs and the facts we sort of talk about the bike we actually ride them and talk about them from a rider's point of view i think it's it's a realistic sort of bit of coverage or reportage has anything that anything happened that's really surprised you since you started moto drive um you must have had some aims and a, a few directions you wanted to go in has anything cropped up that has really surprised you or is it just all going to plan? Oh, no, I mean, we did not have a plan. It was more <laughs> of a, hey, this would be fun. Let's see if we can do this. And, you know, initially it was very much podcast style um, of us talking about a topic. And then we we thought, well, we could interview some really interesting people and get their insights. And, and then we got the offers for bike reviews or gear reviews. Um, so that led us down that path, you know, so if anything, it's just focusing on a particular topic and, and having, um, when you think of Moto Tribe, having, you know, what we do in mind, where, right, last year we were a little all over the place, and I think we're going to try to focus it, or at least have some series, and so people can follow along um, through the series and a particular topic. Right, just organize it a bit, but yeah, it looked pretty organized to me, you know. <laughs> so, who have you got coming up? Any scoops that we can tune in for? Uh, you know, we have Patricia, she's a lady racer on Instagram. Um, she races over in Europe, Patricia Fernandez. Yeah, she's fantastic and does the Bagger series, Moto America. So, we just interviewed her and yeah, I've been doing some of the video editing on that and uh, her insights are are fantastic, you know, how she got into racing and, you know, she races with the guys and yes. so it's it's neat to hear her perspective. I think she's got more balls than most, so to speak, <laughs> and she actually can't reach the ground, but I saw her pulling into the pits and they sort of have to grab the bike. She races those big bagger bikes. She's amazing. Now she is inspirational. I was also going to ask if you've done any track days because it always intrigues me to know how that's affected people's perception. Have you done track days? I have. I have. You know, funny enough, I really at first did not want to do track days. My when I was talking to friends, a lot of my friends say once you go to the track, you don't really want to ride street anymore. Um, and so I was kind of delaying 
writing track for a bit and then especially because track is addicting um and so i did get into track my first track day was at coda circuit of the americas i had the offer of someone was trailering my bike out there and you know people were gonna take me around and show me and you know i started off in novice and it's funny because you think you know how to ride and then you go to track and you realize that you have no idea how to ride on track <laughs> It was a learning experience, you know, and then I, I it, it humbles you. And then you realize you have so much room to grow. And that I think is maybe part of the addicting quality of it is you see that you're of all the, the opportunities for improvement. And so I did track pretty extensively for about two years. I, I did not go to the mountain. I, I rarely rode on street those years. Oh, and it, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. I've ridden Laguna Seca. I've ridden the IR. I've ridden Barber countless times. I've ridden um, Road Atlanta. Obviously, I've ridden Coda a few times. I think those are the tracks that I've ridden. Barber is my favorite. Right. It, I mean, it's not easy, I think, to to be able to go there and use that track. It's in Alabama, so it's actually not too far from Atlanta. If I'm remembering correctly, it's about three hours away. Um, so, it, so it is not that far and it's a nice facility. Um, the track has, um, it, it just, it, it feels like a roller coaster in, in, in many sense. Um, it, it has elevation, it has turns, um, you know, left and rights. And so it's, it's, not, it's not boring by any means. You know, there's different tracks like Coda was set up for Formula One. So it, it, it's a little bit more of a point and shoot track and a bunch of late apexes. Um, so, you know, it's just a different track. And then the other track close to us is Tally and it's a lot smaller track. And, you know, I, I, I can't remember, I think it's a bunch of left-handers and then one right-hander, you know, and it's, it's like a mile and a half or I, I can't remember how long, but it's, it's a short track. So I like Barber because it's, uh, I think it's 17 turns if I'm remembering correctly. And it has a bunch of different elements. A bit more balanced, yes. Mm -hmm. Do you favor left or right turns? You know, funny enough, I was... No, we try not to. I just wonder. You know, I don't know. I, I think some days I favor lefts and some days I favor right. It just depends on the day. So I, I can't say that I love, you know, all left-handers or all right-handers. I think it just depends. Mm, it's interesting. I, I struggle more with lefts, I have to say. I mean, that's the great thing about riding motorcycles. Your knowledge is evolving and your skills, hopefully, improving. And you're learning all the time. It, every time you go out for a ride, even if you just nip out to the shops. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's what I love is I love riding new roads. So, you know, it was another one of the, the reasons why I absolutely wanted to ride with you guys is, you know, to go on all the roads because I had never been on a lot of those roads. And I find if you keep riding the same ride, roads that you, you can start to treat it like a racetrack, especially if you have like track experience. And, you know, I prefer to, I don't know, I like the adventure in riding. Yes, yeah, I think it's just, it's just good to spread your wings and get as much experience as possible. Have you ridden in other countries? I've ridden in the UK. Um, so I have ridden there, but other than that, I have not. Because you know you're riding on the wrong side of the road here. No, I'm just saying that as a laugh. I know. I felt I felt like I was playing chicken when I was <laughs> over in the UK. I'm like, this just feels so odd. 
and then how you signal to, to people, you know, because when you're here in the States, you, you, you know, you, you do a hand gesture with your left hand, Yes. but you can't really do that in the UK because you're on the other side of the road. Yes. And so, you know, they nod, they nod their head and it, it's, it, That's it was right. really funny to me. Take your hand off the throttle and stop because you want to wave. <laughs> yes. The head nod is the thing there. <laughs> It's interesting. And the roads are very narrow there. Obviously, if you're riding through, well, even the countryside, towns and countryside, everything's a lot coming at you a lot more quickly. Everything's narrow here. You've got big, glorious open roads. Yeah. And filtering over there. Yeah. Um, you know, that that was that was different because I know there, there were some roads that we filtered down that, you know, it was a two lane road and we were filtering down the middle of it. And, you know, there were other motorcyclists coming in that middle lane towards us and so that's <laughs> it just it was something i hadn't experienced before other polite motorcyclists <laughs> head on at you yes head on it's definitely an understanding that has to be uh, <laughs> adhered to there i spoke to a lady a few weeks ago on our podcast on motors and friends who did a loop in thailand and i haven't done that i would that's something i would really like to do I've ridden in a few different countries myself, but uh, yeah, the, the first difference is being on a different side of the road. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's best to go with locals that can, <laughs> so you can just follow along. Yeah, you get a heads up when you go to pull out. If there's no traffic for a moment, you sort of, you're not sure which side or even which way to look. Um, so what's coming up for Motor Tribe? Um, you know, we we were first and foremost on Instagram and have been for you know, over five years, I maybe even eight or longer. And so, you know, it was very much of a, a picture platform. And now you think about Instagram and it's a more of a video platform and, and boundaries have, um, have been expanded. And so it's, you know, also just trying to figure out how do women in motorsports navigate uh, the new social media norms, you know, and, and are there lines? And so I, I think that that's kind of fascinating, you know, how our culture is evolving and, you know, being a woman, you can you can get more followings typically than than a man. Although there are there are male racers like Josh Heron who have an extraordinary you know following on social media, and so you know it's it's just a a different a different space for male and females how they they gain followers. Yes, yeah, he's he's great. Josh Heron really puts together some good content. It's more reels nowadays, as you say. Mo it's more moving, isn't it? than the stills photography it is so um what's next for you i mean you have you have a career obviously as well but motorcycling is such a huge part of your life do you mind me asking what you do generally you know what's your day-to-day -day work yeah you know so uh, i'm in investments and i travel a lot for work and you know for me motorcycling is a hobby i know people who are in motorcycling for for work and sometimes uh, some of the people i talk to where that is the case, they don't ride as often. So I've always tried to make motorcycling my my hobby and never something that feels like work. Mm. Um, and so I can't say that I'm super structured with, you know, what's next or, or where it's going because I do want it to feel like an adventure and and to to be fun and exciting and not something that is on a checklist of something that has to get done. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, there's, there's times when we we're really excited about a trip or we're excited about, you know, the prospect of, um, a bike review or whatever it may be. And, you know, we'll, we'll go explore that and, 
and create content. And then there are times when it's, you know, the, we're at a pause moment where there's not as much going on. Um, and so I think it, it's, it's a little bit of an ebb and flow. And so it's, we're not as uh, structured as we, as we would be if it was our main source of income and job. Mm. Also, I think that's the nature of motorcycling. I think the spirit of the, the whole ethos of motorcycling is just to be a bit free and easy and take things as they come. That is true. Mindset, shall we say. Have you got other trips coming up, sort of traveling as in touring? Um, likely you're going to go to the Tail of Dragon. We try to do that every so often. Sarah, that's where she's based. And so it's an easy um, place to travel to and, and go ride the roads around there. And, you know, funny enough, the Dragon or the Tail of Dragon isn't my favorite road there. I love the Skyway. Um, I love the Blue Ridge Parkway. I love some of the foothills is another great road around there. Um, so the, the roads in in the in that area are, are fantastic you know one of the things that always um it, it, it surprises me or maybe it's I, i'm just always taken back is when i fly to california and i'm out um riding i, I wonder where the trees are you know in the, in the <laughs> east coast we have all these trees and 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 so it's 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 nice to have the, the coverage especially when it's really hot during the summer you get a little bit of a reprieve in the shade um, you know, and it's cool to be in California too and all the canyons because you get to see so much further, but then you get all the heat <laughs> as we experienced. It was so hot that day. That was a hotter day than, than usual that day that we went for a ride here. And you're right, there are no trees. It has its own beauty, of course, but um, yeah, I do miss the trees, I have to say, <laughs> from, you know, other places that I've lived. You know, and when I travel, I don't always bring my full leathers. Um, so this time when I was in California, I brought my uh, motorcycle jeans and, you know, a leather jacket. And so my jeans had a little bit of a gap between my boots, and my jeans. And so I had these, the sunburn on my ankles, which I found pretty amusing. <laughs> Yeah, it's so easy to, to let that happen. <laughs> yeah, we, we're often in aerated jackets, Denise, aerated jackets. I think I wore, yeah, I did wear mine that day. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I did travel a few other places this year and ride. I, I went to Portland, Oregon, and um, rode some of the roads around there, and those are fantastic. The scenery is amazing. I, I caught it on a day where there was sun, um, and then the next few days it was rain, but the day that it was sun was, it was some of my favorite riding, um, oh, just right. the lush trees and the windy roads. Um, so I do want to get back there and ride more. Um, so that's one area. And then I did go down to Florida as well to visit one of my friends and um, Florida has a different kind of riding. You can see the beach, you can um, get, get a great sunset view. Um, but that the roads are uh, there. There's something that's missing with some of the curves. <laughs> Too much straight. <laughs> it's good to hear because unless you you've been you you've lived in a place or you've had the opportunity to travel, it's it's hard to know where to aim to ride. You know, if you want to go meet up and go for a riding holiday, um, it's it's difficult to know unless we talk to people like people like you who've seen a few different areas. Anyway, it was just, it was lovely to meet you and 
I just feel, you know, so glad that I've connected with you and hopefully another bunch of lady motorcyclists will feel the same, you know, we can encourage more lady riders because that's what I like to do. All riders, of course. But Yeah, you know, I think that when I started riding, I didn't really know much about gear. Um, I just rode with actually a fashion leather jacket. I didn't realize yes. that you could buy specific gear. And then when I got into it and wanted my first jacket, there wasn't Revzilla. There, there you go to a shop and the men's gear had so much more protection. So I was wearing men's gear for the first year or two. So mm-hmm. I love how far women's gear has come. Yes, protective gear and there's a vast selection. Yes, now. Absolutely. You know, I've tried a lot of recently I've been wearing the Pando Moto um, jeans and, and those fit great. And they just came out with a new base layer um, that is very protective. The, the fabric in it is um, is really strong. I should get the stats for it, but it's something like it has it's stronger than steel um, type of a right. stat. Um, and it has protection in your your elbows and your shoulders and your knees and your hips and a back protector. And you can wear it under jeans and under, you know, a hoodie or whatever else. And so, you know, I love how far gear has come um, to, to where it was a decade ago. So I think that that is a, a bright future for, for women who are in the sport. Yes. And it's nice that there, there are items of clothing available that are now sort of they have undercover protection. Well, that's from you're talking about a layer that you can add, maybe under, like you say, hoodies and regular clothing. But there are, you know, items of clothing that ladies can wear that are flattering and also have protection in them. I wear Miss Moto leggings a lot. They have protection everywhere, but they don't sort of make you look an odd shape. And I went, um, we both, Arthur and I went up to the bike shed in Los Angeles. We'll have to take you there. It's a great place. And they have their own range of clothing, same thing, they've got COVID protection hidden within the jeans and that sort of thing. And you can look, <laughs> not look as though you're, you're sort of fresh off a motorcycle every time you right. go for a social, you can sort of turn up looking pretty attractive. So that that's a good thing. For sure, because I felt like I looked like a Power Ranger for the first few years. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, you would have in men's clothing, of course. <laughs> It's funny to think now. Um, yeah. yeah, we've all been through it. I've worn boots that are too big and all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. Because I'll always wear protective clothing. <laughs> so any anything that I can lay my hands on if there is nothing. Anyway, it's been great speaking with you and keep in touch. Thanks so much for having me on. Ride safely. Cheerio. Bye. All right. Bye.